Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Today's guest is a dear friend, mentor, and a true source of wisdom, Mo Gordat, the former chief business officer at Google X, author of Soul for Happy, and the founder of the One Billion Happy Movement. If you think you struggle to be happy, then you need to hear Mo's story. So, welcome, Mo. You are uh, someone, you're an entrepreneur who's started 24 businesses as a co founder and going. Uh, you were the chief business officer at Google X, the Moonshot Factory. You've started a global movement called One Billion Happy because, you know, 10,000 happy sounded a bit crap. We <laughs> no, not really because of that, but because I, I have a wonderful soul in my life that I'm trying to honor by communicating what he taught me to the world. And, and can you just for context, would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Just uh, I think context is so important, please, Mo. I know you've, you've told me before, but. Yeah, it's a, it's I, I I sadly and maybe uh, not so sadly lost my wonderful son at age twenty one and a half. The hardest experience anyone could ever go through, I believe. Uh, Ali was my son and my mentor and my best friend. He was very wise and he taught me everything I knew about happiness. As a matter of fact, as I started to get into my depression, he was uh, age um, five. And by age nine, when I started to emerge out of my depression through understanding the logical side of happiness, he was really the heart that explained to me happiness from a human perspective, if you want, from a, an instinctive perspective. And together we built the model that I, I tell the whole world about. And that uh, model was triggered by unfortunately losing him to a preventable medical error, uh, which in some unexpected way triggered me instead of griefing by closing my door and and crying for the next 27 years, which I think Ali would be more than worth, you know, 27 years of crying. I, instead, I wrote a book that described what we learned about happiness together. And my mission was to deliver that to 10 million people. Uh, and, in, you know, in my ambition, I thought that if 10 million people heard Ali's message, uh, then maybe within 200 years through six degrees of separation, part of Ali will be part of everyone. So... I think the context is important because obviously some of the topics we're going to cover here, they can be quite affronting names, right? Uh, you know, talking about tackling, you know, how to train your brain to be happy and can sound quite irritating to people that have, you know, are suffering with depression or anxiety or whatever themselves, especially during these times. And it is important to know that it comes from a place of, of deep pain and overcoming that as well in essentially your own version of the hero's journey. So what would you say about uh, people who aren't quite as processed and logical about managing their emotional thoughts as it sounds like you are? You know, is there a hierarchy of, of systems and tactics that you should probably look at? The first step in my view is to get in touch with you. So, so again, I, I have regular meetings that I call Meet Mo. Okay. Meet Mo meetings are meetings where I sit with me and I sort of like a, a friend really get to know me. I am a Middle Eastern man, masculine, uh, grew up in a certain environment that conditioned me in certain ways. 
right? And so uh, it took me years and years and years to understand exactly, uh, you know, my appreciation and my understanding of the feminine, for example, uh, my understanding and my appreciation of my masculine side and how far it needs to go and how far it doesn't need to go and so on and so forth. So, so those meetings, and I call them meetings because I will tell you, I use a very interesting technique. Okay. So I would pick a topic, whatever the topic, my views of whatever, football. Okay. And I would start with, this is my view of football. Okay. And then I would start to ask myself if I have seen actions from me that contradict that view. Right. Interestingly, the key to that is emotions. And it all starts with a simple request. And I know it's so difficult, which is to understand that the world has conditioned us wrong. Because there is absolutely nothing wrong with emotions. Nothing, okay? We were conditioned to believe that we should not show our emotions. It it makes us look weak, it makes us look vulnerable, and so on and so forth. And that's absolutely not true. Our actions are what make us look weak and vulnerable. Our emotions don't. So you can feel angry as long as you don't explode in anyone's face. Anger has no impact on the real world. You can feel totally head over heels in love with someone as long as you don't lie on the floor and, and you know, humiliate yourself to get to her. And you know, nothing's wrong with that. And, and you can feel anything you want. And that's absolutely okay. As a matter of fact, feeling is what makes us human. Without emotions, you are not alive. And that's the whole truth. The whole truth is that the only times you feel alive is through an emotion. Elation, uh, worry, uh, sadness, uh, excitement. This, these are the times where you actually feel alive, right? And so if you don't let those happen, you will not feel alive and your life will pass you by. So your first exercise of awareness is to find how you feel. When you find how you feel, by the way, how you feel is your limbic system. This is in your brain, okay? Because every emotion, believe it or not, other other than unconditional love, hmm? every emotion follows an equation. Worry is an emotion that says, my sense of safety at T1, which is in, a, in an interval of time from now, is less than my sense of safety at T0. So my fear equals T0 minus T1, safety at T0 minus safety at T1. Emotions are that logical, okay? But not only are they that logical, they are also very embodied, okay? So when you're excited, you feel energized and you're unable to sit down. That's how, you can feel it in your body. Huh? When you're sad, you feel heavy and unable to get up, okay? When you're angry, you feel boiling and burning and heat in your whole body. You can actually detect them. You can detect them with what I call physical signatures. Once you get to those emotions, everything becomes easy. Once you get to acknowledge that it's absolutely okay for me to feel guilty about something, what matters is what I'm going to do about it. The rest becomes super easy. Because once you know the emotion, you know the thought that triggered it. And once you know the thought that triggered it, you know how, to, how true is that thought. And believe it or not, from the minute I feel the emotion to the minute I can normally come out of unhappiness is seven seconds. I swear I'm not making this up there. I follow a very simple flow chart. I, I feel an emotion. I acknowledge it. I find the thought that triggered it. 
not the event, the thought that triggered it. So I was a little nervous when I joined the call because I was five minutes late, okay? The thought in my head was, I'm five, it was not my, I'm five minutes late. The thought in my head was, I don't know if you were preparing for a, a pre-call or is everyone waiting for me, okay? If everyone is waiting for me, we have a disaster. Now that's the thought. Once you know the thought, hmm, I follow a, a flowchart of three questions. Question number one is, is that thought true? Okay, is everyone waiting for me? Is it true or is it probable? Question number two is, can I do something about it? Can I check if everyone is waiting for me? And by the way, if everyone is waiting for me, when I show up, can I apologize and say, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, I was taking a shower, I'm five minutes late, okay? And fix the problem. And if I cannot do something about it, like, you know, sometimes the problems are bigger than we are, you lose a child, you can't do anything about it. Can I accept it and make things okay despite its presence? In that process, emotions become logical and happiness becomes a deliberate action. Why do you think that happiness is so important? Oh, great question. Why do you think health is so important? Oh, I wasn't expecting you to throw a question back to me. How dare you? <laughs> uh, health, health, obviously, because of um, longevity and performance. Well, you know, and, and I think, I think, frankly, uh, once you have a, a friend that doesn't have their full health, and my father had that, um, you know, had a really poor health, uh, it gives you great perspective on um, of what matters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we, we, are, we try to stay healthy because of longevity. It's good for our long-term life. It's good for this moment because it doesn't feel like crap. It's good for your ability to perform in life. I wouldn't be able to have this conversation with you if I had 40 degrees fever, right? And because in general, we're not supposed to be unhealthy. The default setting of us as humans is healthy, okay? Apply the same for happiness. Hmm? Longevity, there is a much, much you know, proven track record of relationship between uh, mental health and uh, diabetes and, and heart attacks and so on and so forth. There is a lot of association between depression and, and, and early death and so on. There is, uh, you know, in the short term, it makes you perform much better. It makes everyone love you and everyone wants to be with you and it makes you more effective in life. Okay, it is, uh, you know, all applies. It's exactly the same. When you're, you're, supposed, you're not supposed to be unhappy, you're supposed to be happy all the time because that's your optimum f uh, state of performance. People who are happy, by definition, are 12% more productive than people who are not. Okay, that's one side. The other side is, honestly, if I gave you anything, a BMW, i I8 right now, and told you every time you're going to get in that car, you're going to be miserable, would you take it? If I gave you uh, the most wonderful partner, you know, tall and beautiful and sexy and, and everything, and I told you every time you spend an hour with her, she's going to make you feel depressed. Would you want that? We want to be happy. It's so instinctive. It's almost like wanting to take another breath. Okay. The reason why we don't tell ourselves that it's so important is because we think it's so difficult to achieve, but it isn't. It's highly logical. Okay, if you practice, you will get there. All I tell people is like going to the gym. Make happiness your priority and learn about happiness three to four times a week, one hour. That's it. One hour a day, three to four times a week. Okay, now just to wrap up this part before we go to our final questions, what are your top three tips in total of training your brain to be happy? 
your number one priority is deliberate attention. And you have to exercise deliberate attention, not only in the meditation room, but in everything that you do. So I have recognized in the room behind Dan right now, an exercise bike that he had in a tweet that had his wife's picture in it a while back. Okay. And I have I constantly pay attention to the Dyson fan that is behind him. I'm actually trying to recognize the pictures in the picture frames behind him. I pay deliberate attention to almost everything because deliberate attention is the absolute key. It's the absolute key to uh, happiness uh, training from the brain. Number two is understand that when, what you use your brain for grows. Okay, And so if you spend your time watching negative news about the coronavirus, you are training your brain to be afraid. Okay, If you spend your life watching horror movies, you're training yourself to be scared. If like me, you watch a comedy every night before you sleep, a stand-up comedy, then you're training your brain to be funny and happy and, and alive. And if that uh, stand-up comedy has uh, you know, rude words in it, you're, you're training yourself to be rude. And so the number two priority is take inventory of what you're spending time doing and take out the stuff that doesn't work. I have stopped watching horror movies for more than 18 years. I have not watched a single violent movie unless it came very recommended to me by five friends in the last 11 years. Okay, that's number two. Number three is that our brains are the key to all unhappiness. So basically, it's an emotion that is triggered by a thought. Find the thought and then follow the happiness flow chart. Is the thought true? Can I do something about it? And if I cannot do something about it, can I accept it hmm? and do something despite its presence to make my life uh, better in its presence? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to 100. See you next time.